We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 154. Oh, boy, have the Yankees limped their way to the All-Star break. Scott, we were hoping that they would ride some momentum after that Frazier walk-off bomb. Didn't happen. Same shit, different week for this team. I feel like every time we get on in recording, something bad has just happened. No different this week. They're really good at carrying momentum onto the next day. They're awesome at that. Even if they have one big moment, it usually gets squandered pretty quickly. But, but, alas, we have made it. We are at the All-Star break, and we are not completely out of it. It's a, it, it could have been a lot worse if you look at how this team has played over the past three weeks. It could have been a lot worse. But could it? as it stands today... I don't today, know. What's, what's worse than what we've watched for three, three and a half, four weeks? Well, no, the baseball was terrible. You don't get much much worse than the baseball. I'm talking about the scenario in which the Yankees are currently in. Yes. Only three and a half out of first place. Amazing. That's unbelievable. Only two on the lost side. Unbelievable. They've won, That's crazy. Scott, they've won seven games since June 13th, and they're only three and a half games out of first place. I mean, the Red Sox need to be looking at themselves in the mirror being like, we missed a chance to bury this team because the Yankees yeah. are playing the Red Sox at Fenway Park right after the All-Star break. If they come out and somehow put what just happened behind them and the Yankees can go in and take two out of three from the Red Sox right after the All-Star break, the Red Sox are like, well, shit, we just missed a golden opportunity to bury this team. So, yes, in that sense, you're absolutely right. The Yankees are lucky. It's 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 100% lucky the position they're oh, in yeah. right now. There's no doubt about it. I mean, but that's the narrative. You're right. That's the narrative when you when you come back. The narrative is is that we have been the worst. We have sucked as badly of a with a, as, if you, as badly as you could play baseball for the last 3 weeks. And the team that we're going to right now is only ahead of us by three and a half games. They didn't put the nail in the coffin when they had the opportunity. Let's make them pay for it. That's the narrative, right? It's got to be. Go out and hopefully you play some good baseball. They're getting healthy. They got Holiday coming back right after the break. He'll be in Boston. Starling Castro will be back at least somewhere in that series. So they're they're reloading and and guys are are coming back and hopefully hopefully they can kind of re regain that juju the good the good juju and uh, shake that voodoo. 
and come back and win some games. Anybody coming back that was injured in the bullpen? Oh, wait, no, all those guys just suck. Never mind. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. It's a tale of two seasons. You've got First half is over. You've got to hope that they can take these few days off. I know a lot of Yankees are going to be in Miami for the All-Star game, but it's fun. It's fun for them. First-timers, a lot of first-timers like Judge and Sanchez and Severino. But you got to just hope the rest of the team can go have a mental vacation, get away from it, and come back and just treat it like a new season on Friday. I don't know how you flip that switch, but you got to hope they can flip it. Yeah, I think they do. I think it's a, really I you think have confidence. Break. Hold on. You you really have confidence after what you, we've seen since June thirteenth. Yeah, that was when it all went bad. That's when the injuries started piling up. That's when Sabathia went down, Hicks went down, Castro, Holiday got the virus. The bullpen started imploding. The snowball has been rolling a million miles an hour down a steep hill since June thirteenth. They have not been able to stop it. They can't gain right. momentum when they do get a big hit like the walk off. They, their starter goes out there the next day and gives up a three-run jack in the first inning. So it's like before they can even get up to bat in the next game, they're already back down into a hole. There's absolutely no momentum on this team right now. You think they can just turn it around. You have confidence in that. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and <laughs> the reason I, I, I think it is is because I think the young guys, when they're playing baseball, they don't know any better. I mean, what was that line they had at the end of last year where Dump – we're not. We're, we're dumb enough, or we're too Young dumb to dumb. realize what we're doing. Young and dumb, for you know? better, for yeah. lack of a better phrase. Yeah. It, but it was a, it was a good quote. Whatever the hell it was, it was it was basically talked about how this team had no, they didn't know any better, but they just kept winning games because they were out there having fun and whatever. I think when we get all these bodies back, uh, and, and they start and they start all playing together again, and they start having fun again, I think this mental break is very important because when you have a week off which you don't have during a baseball season until the all-star break, you're finally letting things go and you can get recharged. And I think these, these one, these young guys are, are going to be playing hard all the way through the end of the year. You're getting some of the veterans back, you're getting healthy. And to me, that is a huge deal, getting these guys back and healthy because along with health becomes confidence that you have those guys there. And then I, I think that can also snowball. But when you are going in such a bad stretch and then you look around you and you don't have half your team there, it's 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 horrible to look at because you know that you have to be perfect. And when you try to be perfect in baseball, 95% of the time, you're worse because you're pressing. And baseball is one of those loosey-goosey sports where you have to have fun. you got to be loose to get production. So that's where my confidence comes from. I think that they're going to be looking around and saying, okay, pro ball player, pro ball player, stud, stud, let's do this. And, and they're going to go out and, uh, and play well. And if not, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight. Well, the whole division right now is packed. Not going to be a dogfight for very long if they keep losing every series. But it's, there's no doubt the injuries have killed them. Uh, between Holiday, Castro, and Hicks, those are three of their most productive offensive players. But has really the offense been the issue the last couple weeks? I don't think so. I mean, partly, but no, it's definitely not the, the, the main issue. I mean, it's, it's very clear that the, the pitching is the main issue, that the back of the bullpen is the main issue. But you got to believe, one, I don't have confidence the Clippers coming back anymore. I have no idea what that, what's wrong with that guy. But I do see a very healthy and confident Chad Green who can slot in towards the end of that, that bullpen, who I think will be a big second-half contributor. But you got to believe also that, that Dylan Batantis and Aroldis Chapman are going to be are going to come back, right? I mean, you have to have that confidence that these guys are going to come back because they are perennial all-stars. They have a ridiculous track record. And, you know, just what we've seen over the past week, I mean, we saw Batantis and Chapman come on on Saturday and pitch lights out. So, I don't know. It's still there. I got to believe that they're coming back. If they don't come back, we're screwed. But if they do come back, I think that we're going to get a lot more uh, better performances from the middle relief because they're not going to be used as much. You said this team, you know, they're too inexperienced to know any better. They're just going to go out there and play baseball and win. What if they got they got ahead of themselves? They realized, hey, we are a good team. Now there's actually pressure on us. We're expected to win now. If you looked at any MLB power rankings at the beginning of June, the Yankees were in the top three. It was Houston. It was probably the Dodgers number two. Then it was the Yankees right there at number three. So what if they looked around and said, oh, shit, now we actually have expectations to, to make the playoffs here and, and do some damage. And then they got a little uh, ahead of themselves, maybe a little extra pressure. Yeah, I don't really buy into it. I have a, I have a, I buy more into the fact that we had Chris Carter starting as our first baseman. Hey, we had, listen, as much we as had we had everybody hate him. who was destroyed with their health, and 
It was just a it was a terrible, terrible three weeks. And not only did the play the play was terrible, but everybody there were a lot of guys hurt. And then you had Chris Carter playing first base, and you had guys from the minor leagues up who probably shouldn't be there in the first place. So I don't know. I, I just think they kind of put they have to put that behind them. They're professionals. They got to do that, and and they'll be good. I still have confidence. Yeah, I I'm surprised. Uh, I don't have as much confidence as you do. So I don't know how you can be optimistic after what we've just watched, but I, I hope I'm proven wrong because I fully bought into this team after June 10th, after that weekend when they absolutely demolished Baltimore. You and I sat here. We were so happy about the event. We were so happy about the team. And man, has it been downhill ever since. On our Thursday episode coming up, we're going to get into all of the midseason recap. We'll do midseason awards, all that stuff, in addition to talking about the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game and all that stuff. But uh, we've just figured this, this episode, we've got to talk about this Milwaukee series, which for a little while on Friday night looked pretty good. Judge passing Joe DiMaggio before the All-Star break with 30 home runs. 30 home runs before the All-Star break is absolutely mental. I don't know what else we can say about Judge other than thank God for Aaron Judge because he's the only fun thing going on with this team right now. He has already now gone through an entire half season, his first full half season, of the New York Yankees and has not had has not had a slump. He has not had one slump. It's un it's unreal. I I don't understand. I still don't. I mean, we I I've probably said this five hundred times on five hundred episodes. But how how is this guy? How is it the same person from from a guy who who strikes out at fifty percent rate at the end of last year who comes back now and doesn't even slump? He just everything. He just makes contact consistently, hitting three thirty. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. There's there's uh you know you could just say a million things on how good he's been but it's unbelievable first of all i'm very surprised that the, the dimaggio record actually stood that long uh it seems low for i guess that just plays to the um you know, there really aren't very many guys who hit home runs as rookies yeah I, yeah it's hard i mean i know the rookie record is mark mcguire i think it's 49 home runs didn't we have a mailbag question about that recently but you know what i read over the weekend i saw brian hoke tweeted that in Judge's locker, he has a piece of paper that says 179 on it, which was his batting average last season in the majors. Huh. I love that. That's awesome. That's This guy is unbelievable. The fact that he even puts that stuff up there, and um, I don't know, man. He's he's almost too good to be true. It's like one of these moments he you're is. looking around like, is this is this guy, what's what's going on here? Something's, he is, maybe he is a robot. Maybe he's a fake person. And he's gotten to the point where when he came up in the ninth inning today with a guy on base, Gardner was on base, I was expecting Judge to go deep or do something and it didn't happen. You can't fault him. He can't hit a home run every time the team needs it. But he's at that level now. He's at that status where you expect him to put the team on its back every night. Yeah, I mean, people, when... When Aaron Judge comes up and you have a TV on, people don't go to the bathroom. They wait <laughs> to watch Aaron Judge at bat. And that hasn't happened in a long time. That, that, that type of thing where you it's must-see TV every single time this man is up, you better pay attention, eyes are on. I mean, people are changing channels probably that are not Yankee fans that have the package because they know Aaron Judge is coming up so they can watch that at bat. Like, that's, the, that's the type of impact this guy has made in half of a season. Other than Gary Sanchez in the second half of last year, where there was the same thing, where you couldn't change the channel, you couldn't leave the room, you wanted to see what Sanchez did. I can't really remember a Yankees offensive player where you felt that way. Not that they're, I mean, they've had so many good players. I'm not saying they've had no good players. But like you said, that factor, that X factor is rare. Yeah. Yeah, it is rare. It's, uh, it's, and it's, it's just going to continue to, to grow. I mean, this guy's building a legacy in his first year, first half year. It's so stupid how, where he is right now in the half of a season. It really, it's unbelievable. But, you know, he's building that legacy. He's building that reputation. And the other side of that reputation is is that his demeanor is, like, you know, cool as a cucumber. Like, this guy is just, just nothing phases him. Nothing phases him. And he's getting that reputation already as well throughout the majors. You also pointed out uh, in our Facebook chat that both he and DiMaggio had similar teeth going on. So I guess the, the gap tooth in the front is the key to breaking a rookie home run record for the Yankees. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of <laughs> lots of similarities in that gap right there. It's an interesting. Uh, it's it's very strange. Apparently, you need a gap to hit thirty home runs or twenty nine home runs as a rookie. Specifically a for that Friday game, they had the fifty one minute rain delay while the Yankees were batting. Girardi brings Montgomery back out, and you and I were looking this up before because we thought it was weird what Girardi said. After the game, Girardi said that he could use Montgomery for ten to fifteen minutes after the delay. 
And you and I both were like, why the hell? What, what is this te- arbitrary 10 to 15 minutes? If he's back yeah. up and ready and going back out on the mound, why is he only good for 10 to 15 minutes? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Why is there a clock on it? I mean, are we talking, we've always talked if there's with the pitcher's limits that we're talking, you know, innings, pitch count, all these other things, but, but time minutes after he sits for 50, 51 minutes or even longer than that. It's it's so weird. It just doesn't. I don't even. I don't get it. He. I think he was saying because he would only be warm and ready to go for ten to fifteen minutes. But once you're back up and and warmed up, you're up. You're warmed up again. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't expire. I don't understand that. Like, why is there an expiration date or expiration time on the the length you can use him? I mean, I I, I truly don't understand what the significance of. Uh, a clock is at that point. I don't get it. And it's a four to two ball game. He brings him back out for the fifth inning. If you're going to bring him back out, why do you then pull him? Like at least let him try and get through the inning. He's a starting pitcher. He's starting with a clean inning. He's probably one of your best options at that point. Montgomery's been really good. Why then are you going to Tyler Webb over Jordan Montgomery? I say either let him try and get through that inning or don't bring him back out at all. Well, and the other thing is, if you're looking at the starts that Jordan Montgomery has had, he could get out of trouble. I mean, he gets out of trouble quite often, actually. When he puts guys on, I mean, he was doing this early in the season even, when he was walking more guys. He gets guys on, and then he gets out of the trouble. And he's he's done it consistently. So I have confidence in a guy. First of all, I, we need to really identify why in God's name, if you're going to let your pitcher sit for 51 minutes, stay warm, get on a bike, throw a little uh, light bullpen session, do some stretching, walking around, all the things you need to do to keep your temperature up and keep your to stay loose so that you're going back into the game. Why why are you then going to pull him out? Then if if that's the case, if you if you're in your mind saying if he gets in trouble, uh you know, within the first couple of batters, I'm pulling him, then don't send him out. Exactly. There. Give a give someone else a clean in and give someone that you know, that you have uh, confidence in. Granted, he has confidence in probably nobody in the bullpen right now, but that's even more reason why you let Jordan Montgomery keep going. What, do you have 74 pitches? It doesn't make sense. But again, it was a, it was, I, I, wasn't a pitch count issue. It was a, it was a minutes issue. Does he have a bedtime? Is this a curfew? I don't get it. Like, did he, he was, because he was uh, he, They were optioning him back to AAA. Did it have to be done before <laughs> a certain time? Uh, is there some stupid book rule that I don't know about? People also freaked out that he got optioned back down to AAA. Yeah, I know that was just icing on the cake. It was funny that it was in the it was in the transactions. I mean, granted, everybody, if you have half a brain, you realize what that was. But it, he's not moving. He didn't actually go to Scranton. I guarantee it. <laughs> That'd be funny but, though if he actually did. Uh, here's your bus, he t- on the here's bus, your bus right ticket. Enjoy the ride to Scranton. It's scenic. So I, I, Girardi in this game was blowing my mind. Yeah, that's with the doing thing. Girardi things with the bullpen. So Girardi. Because he was managing yeah. to me. He was managing in between. He w- he was kind of like, I'm hoping Montgomery can get me through this inning, but then I'm going to go to Tyler Webb. You've got a fully rested bullpen. They had an off day on Thursday, and then after this weekend series, you've got five days, four days off. Everyone is available for this series. Why the hell is Tyler Webb sniffing the mound? So you're also going in with a, a two-run lead into the sixth inning, right? When Tyler Webb comes on and then Clippard comes in and, and lets him lets all the runners come in because that's what he does. He's really good at letting inherited runners in so his, his numbers look clean. But the the damage was done then. I, what I don't understand is we had the day off. Like you said, there, there was a rested bullpen. Why why is Chad Green at that moment not coming into the game? He wasn't available. Today, he wasn't available for Friday night's game. He was not available? Nope. Why? I don't know. That's what he said? Yes. He said this after the game. This makes no sense. Yes. They had a day off. I know. Why he pitched he on Wednesday, but t- you have a day and off. He pitched two innings. He pitched two innings tonight, I think, uh, on on Sunday. The, I I don't get. This is a game when you're when you're going home on the homestand. Obviously, we know what's been happening over the past three weeks. Milwaukee's coming in as a first place team. It's a team that makes a ton of mistakes. Oh my God, they're the, so the, sloppy. Five errors on Friday night. So sloppy. And how are they two in first place on Saturday? Because they score a bunch of runs. They hit a freaking. Uh, who was someone was saying on Twitter why when I said I don't know how this team is in first place and someone came back and was like well they hit home runs when the bases are loaded and yeah that's exactly what they do they they took Tyler Clipper deep but I, I look you got to win this game in my opinion you're coming home you got to nip this in the ass you need to end this bullshit before the All Star game you just got to nip it in the ass 
So why aren't you throwing your best darts? Why aren't you throwing your best guys out there? Chad Green has been probably the most consistent bullpen guy over the past month. He's probably been the best guy out there. And why not throw him at that point to try to keep this lead at bay? I don't understand how you could possibly... You're, you're, you're saying you don't get how Tyler Wade or Tyler Webb is in there. I don't. I could see Tyler Webb in the game way over Tyler Clippard. I don't understand how Tyler Clippard even remotely touches this game at all. This series needed to be managed like almost a playoff series. You yes. had the day off before. You had the days off after. You needed desperately to win a series and have some momentum, have some confidence, have some good vibes going into the All-Star break. I don't care what... The like if his binder says no, I pitched Chad Green in five of the last nine days, so he can't pitch. He needs an extra day off. Bullshit. Chad Green needs to be in that situation, or he needs to let Montgomery try and fight through it. Like you said, I mean, it's just this in between management is what gets him in trouble. Clifford goes out there, gives up the grand slam. I mean, it's horrible. That was a horrible, horrible, deflating loss. He's uh, uh, Tyler Clippard looked like he was going to cry again walking off the mound. Girardi's just walking out there rubbing the baseball like, mm, what can I do? I can't believe Tyler Clippard didn't come through. What the fuck, Girardi? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And at that point, that's that's to me, this this game is all on Girardi. I think he completely blew the bullpen on, on this game. And Clippard should have never even sniffed a game that's relatively close. The fact that Clippard's out there, anything that happens that Clippard does is Girardi's fault, in my opinion, because he shouldn't be in the game. You should try to be putting your best foot forward. And if you think that putting Tyler Clippard at this point, after the past three weeks, just before the All-Star break, when you could give this guy a significant amount of time off or potentially get him in a, a game that really doesn't matter as much, then you're crazy. And knowing, knowing, knowing that Montgomery is probably going to be sent down due to the paperwork, so that you can get more arms up the next day. It's not like your bullpen is going to be depleted if you go to a, different, a couple different guys on Friday night. It's not that big of a deal. You know damn well there's more guys coming up. Again, what's the deal? manage All for the Jordan. game that you're playing. You don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. Manage for the Friday game, which you were leading after the rain delay. You needed to manage to win that game. Also, uh, just a beautiful quote from Tyler Clippert after the game. I really don't know what happened. I felt good out there. Yeah, he feels best, the best he's ever felt physically. Um, that's awesome. I'm, I'm very happy for him that he's in shape. He can do a bunch of push-ups and wind sprints. It's terrific. He can't throw the ball over the ball. Sometimes the you can't get on Girardi for his choices. Like when he put Dylan Batances out there on, on um, well, that was Wednesday's game, and he walked the bases yeah. loaded. It's like you put Dylan Batances out there with a lead in the eighth inning, and he, and he pukes all over himself. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, that's what every that's what you do ten times out of ten is you put Dylan Batances out there. You don't put Tyler Webb and Tyler Clippard and all these crappy middle relievers out there in games you need to be winning. What about Adam Warren? Adam Warren's a guy that you have confidence in who's pitched very well since pretty much all season, and since he's been back, he's pitched well. Chad Green and Adam Warren are my number one and two guys right there in that situation to win this game and Especially, to get the ball to Batances and Chad. They can give you length in that situation. You don't have to no keep doubt. going to Webb. And Every time you go to guys like Webb and Clippard, the more you're rolling the dice with each time, the, the, uh, the chances, the odds of them giving up runs goes up with each crappy pitcher you bring in the game. Uh, oh boy, Severino really settled down on Saturday after that that uh, three-run jack he gave up in the uh, first inning. That was a three-run homer he gave up, right? Yes, yeah. it was a it was a it was a cheap home run, but it was a home run <laughs> nonetheless. It was a Severino looked really good all day long, but again, getting off to a horrible start with the three. Same thing with Tanaka today. I mean, these these first-run home runs are just unbelievable. How many of them have happened over the past three to four weeks? The Just deflating home runs where immediately this team and this offense has to put the team back on its shoulders and get back in a game. So We have a stat here. Luckily on Saturday, they did. Luckily on Saturday, they did. They got, the, um, they, they got what they needed. And Severino was nasty after that first inning. Nasty. His stuff was, it was, it was unhittable stuff. Tenth strikeouts. Those are the only runs he gave up. He threw seven innings. Like, that's the Severino you want. He's got to limit those mistakes, though. Those mistakes cannot be happening all the time. They're just happening too frequently. That's the thing with Severino is that he seems to have those mistakes every now and again. He did settle down. He did this also uh, in a couple starts ago where he gave up a couple early runs and settled down. Gave the team a chance to come back. Stats, though, on the first inning home runs. Tanaka and Pineda are the second and third worst in baseball for giving up first inning home runs with eight and seven apiece. Severino gave the one this time. (laughs) 
two out of your five starting pitchers, two veterans on the staff giving up first inning home runs. I don't know. Are they not warming up enough? What's going on here? No, they just suck. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, there's no way to look into if they're warming up or what. They just suck. They suck. So, they're mentally weak. Tanaka can't. Pitch in the first inning. He can't pitch in can't pitch day during the games. Day. He can't pitch on regular rest. He can't right. pitch when the team has a ceremony. He can't, definitely not during a ceremony. He can't pitch when the team really needs a win. Right. He can pitch when it's six days off and the team's on a five-game winning streak and they score or, him fourteen runs. Or if he's going uh, against his home country nemesis. Right. Yeah. Another crucial point where he can lock it down. Frazier gets the, the walk-off home run. He had uh, also broke up the no-hitter on Saturday in that game. Yes. That, that was his first huge moment as a Yankee. It was so fun watching him and the team celebrate. And I'm, and I'm thinking maybe this is going to get them going. I actually tricked myself into thinking this is going to get them going. It's hard to get yourself going when you only have one more game, though, and then an entire week off. But so that's if the they only, won today, that's, if that's they kind won of the today, grace. that would have been totally good memories going into the All-Star break. I guess, but we've realized the momentum is shit on this team. It means nothing. The, good momentum the, is the better than bad momentum. I guess so. Bad momentum is a real thing. Good momentum for this team is not a good. Is not a real thing. But the, uh, the walk-off, uh, talking about that real quick. One, the dude just looks like... When he strolls up to the plate, it, he just looks like he's absolutely relishing these big moments. You can tell that he really likes it, and and like he he gets up for them. And you know when when the first pitch came, and then he got that fastball that he was looking for. You could tell he was looking for it when, when he let the first pitch go. Um, it was a good breaking ball, and I was surprised that he laid off of it. But the sec- when he got the fastball that he was looking for, because he was definitely looking for something uh, you know specific, and he got it. And they talk about. Bat speed, the scouts and Brian Cashman with the legendary bat speed quote. Holy shit. The some of the fastest bat speed I have ever seen, honestly. When when he came through and uh and put that swing, that ball left the park ridiculously fast. And the the as fast as that the barrel went from behind his head to hit the ball was insane. I mean, the guy has some unbelievable hand speed. So it's all it's those Paul O'Neill was talking forearms. Uh, yeah, yeah, he can whip it around. Paul Paul O'Neill was talking about him all pretty much the entire time when he was on there about keeping his weight back, and he sees how he, he's uh, on his front foot he is. very early. He's really early, yeah. And it's actually interesting when you see his swing and and how how far out in front he gets. But the thing is, is that you know he's always been able to get that front that foot down and catch up with his hands. I have a feeling it's going to be an adjustment and they've already been talking about him staying back or adding a leg kick or something. So he does stay back a little bit further because, you know, there's a lot more guys throwing harder in the major league. So that's not going to be, you know, as easy as it was in the, in the minor ranks, but man, he made some adjustments and uh, what, what a good, what a good homestand. I mean, ridiculous moment too. He does kind of have a weird swing because his back leg sort of kicks out towards the third base dugout when he swings. Yeah, he almost goes up on a pivot on that front leg. It's it's uh it's pretty crazy to watch. If you watch it in slow motion, it's pretty crazy. I forget who they were comparing him to. Who? Ah, oh, man, I was just trying to think of that yeah. too. They did. They it was a good comparison. Um, I'll think. Yeah, of it. where it was the same type of thing where he was all of his weight was on his front foot, and I guess it, like like we were saying, as long as you can stay balanced with that, it's fine. But I think that does open him up to a lot of issues with breaking balls, which is actually what Donnie Collins said when we talked to him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, it's a. He's just gonna have to. Those adjustments are gonna come. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's gonna have to make some adjustments when he's at the major league level, especially because of the way he, you know, his swing is, and and I think staying back on those breaking balls, like you're saying, if you're pouncing on a on a fastball with with your hands, you know, being the the big catch up. Um, but he made the adjustments. I mean, honestly, it's it's working okay. I mean, he walked off the freaking game, uh, and and did it in an impressive fashion. So and got them back I, I into the game on Sunday with a two run shot. Yeah, another, and that was an opposite field home run, which leads me to believe in-game adjustments, in-series adjustments, dude staying back, driving the ball to the right side. That's how Aaron Judge has found a ton of success, is going to the right side. And it's obvious that the guys that Cochran and uh, Marcus Timms are, are teaching that. They're, they're emphasizing taking what the pitcher uh, is giving you, taking what the pitch is, and going with it, not trying to pull the ball all the time, and to go to opposite field. Because Yankee Stadium, of all stadiums, if you can go to the opposite field, you're going to get a lot of very, uh, you're, you're going to get a lot of favorable results with that short porch and you know just going into um, right center field. I think it's a it's a very very good approach for all these guys. Sunday's game took 
four hours. It was a four-hour, five-to-three ball game. The Yankees had a ton of chances. They were one for 16 with runners in scoring position. And for about five seconds, they were winning on a Chase Headley three-run home run that was called, called foul. As soon as it was called foul, I knew he was going to strike out. Oh, yeah, that was inevitable. <laughs> he knew it was a foul ball, too, if you watch him walking down the line. I mean, he, he was about to pull up and go back. Um, I mean, imagine, though, replay's not there. That's a home run. Still a home run. That's true. Yeah, I, I, gives him, I watched. It would have just given the bullpen another opportunity to block. I watched the replay, and I, I don't know how it didn't hit the foul pole. Yeah, I. So close. When you see the replay, though, you can see cleanly, clearly oh, that it, it, it's on the other side. But, yeah. It's a it's a shame what could have been and then yes he does go out and strike out one for sixteen one for sixteen runners in scoring position by the New York Yankees on Sunday that that is a problem it, although we can't destroy the offense because the offense has been doing as much as they possibly can but that's a problem it's a problem and I feel stupid uh, getting on the offense but maybe if Starling Castro and Hicks and Holiday are in the lineup they go two for sixteen and actually win the game yeah it's funny that we're saying Hicks in part of this. Okay. Uh, I know he was struggling before he got injured, but Hicks has been one of their best players this season. Yeah, no, he he was. Um, I'm interested to see how he comes back, and actually, what happens when he does come back with the players, especially if a guy like Clint Frazier is still hitting the ball. Uh, you know, it, he's gonna basically make them keep him up if he is still hitting the ball. Like well, this. they can't. They're not gonna carry five outfielders, or at least you can't find playing time for five outfielders. Yeah, something's got to give. Something's going to happen. There's a very expensive guy patrolling center field that might be riding the bench. I mean, he's been practically worthless. He's just such an invisible, worthless character in this whole storyline at this point. If Ellsbury... <laughs> he really just needs to go If Ellsbury's not getting on with Kentra's interference, he's absolutely useless to the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it's such, it's such an inevitable uh, eating of the contract that's going to happen at any point, and they might as well just get it gonna over have with. to take a big bite out of that. It doesn't matter. He's no better than a triple-A guy at this point. Honestly, he really isn't. Speaking of guys who are useless to the Yankees right now, Greg Bird had a mystery member of the Yankees brass comment about him. He's, uh, this person, or Bill Madden of the New York Daily News, wrote on Friday, said, uh, got a quote from somebody uh, in Yankees executive office who said, you really have to wonder what's with this guy. You'd think with Judge and Sanchez, the guys he came up through the system with doing so well up here, he'd want to be a part of this. Apparently not. Basically calling Greg Bird out for his injury and not getting back on the field. I just hate that we're sitting here again, and this stinks of Randy Levine, but I hate that we're sitting here again with a Yankees uh, executive like Lon Trost and Randy Levine or whoever this was making comments like this. Why does it seem like these Yankees uh, executives keep putting their foot in their mouth? Why can't they just shut the hell up and let Joe Girardi, Brian Cashman, and Hal Steinbrenner do the talking? Yeah, it's definitely an old guy. I mean, this is a this is an absolute old guy comment. It, it's, it's reminiscent of what was going on with the Knicks over the past two weeks with Phil Jackson and calling out the uh, Przingis kid for for you know the exit interview and just having him not being wanting to be part of the team or whatever. It's just like these old guys that just don't give a shit and they just say whatever and they just they have diarrhea of the mouth and they just they ramble and ramble and then guys are sitting there writing it down and just just drooling at the comments because the uh, the, the 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 ridiculous comments by the front office that will be nobody will know who they are right. We're just going to call this a mystery guy. And that's why the Yankees can ignore it. They don't have to comment it's on Randy it. It's Randy Levine. It's 100% Randy Levine. Yo, it stinks of him. Bird said, I want to play, which is obvious. What else is he going to say? I don't for a second think Bird is faking it or anything like that or, or dogging it to get back on the field. I just think he's a frail guy. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Levine saw the, the video of him walking by Jeter in the clubhouse. You know, at the uh, when Jeter had his ceremony and if him open. Well, around. I remember because I didn't think yeah, it was maybe, anything back then, but now I, well, I might think it is. <laughs> maybe he saw that video and he's like, "Wow, this guy has no confidence. He doesn't even want to be here." Do you think the Yankees move on from Greg Bird if he does not get back this season? I think they're gonna. Well, I think uh, they're gonna have to at some point. Yeah. Well, do you think they'll, think they'll go they'll into next season play. again with oh, our, our Greg Bird is our first baseman, or are they gonna have no, to make no, no, no. plans for another first baseman long term? Yes. Um, I don't know if it'll be a hundred percent long term. It depends. I think if they can find something in this this trade market, they're looking at this 
uh, this nice little segue that we're talking about now into this Justin Bohr guy from uh, Miami who a lot of people probably are not familiar with. But he's having a good year. He's been around for a little bit. Seems like he's just putting it together. And he's controlled, I think, through, what, 2020 or 2019? So, you know, there, if, there, if you see a guy like that who's got some, some youth to him and is controlled, then I could see it. But it's got to be the right move, and it depends on what they're giving up. But I, I think what we're looking at in more of a realistic option is, is more of a, um, a stopgap guy to see if Bird can come back. But they're not going to go in next year. If he doesn't come back this year, they're not going to go into next year expecting him to be healthy and for him to be the guy because it's just – at that point, it's irresponsible. Justin Bohr. I mean, this is the fr- is it Bohr or Bauer? First of all, I think it's Bohr. Okay, this is really his first good season. He's in the home run derby, yeah. so he's getting he's going to get a lot of attention. But this guy is 29 years old. This is the first time he's really played well for the Marlins. They are not going to trade him cheaply. They're going to try and get every ounce of value out of him right now. So I think it would take more prospects than Brian Cashman is willing to part with for somebody who has only proven it for half a season. Yeah, I agree with that. I th- you know, the attractiveness about him is that it's it's a it's an extremely team friendly contract. He's controlled, and you know maybe this is his breakout year. Some guys develop later than others. Who knows? This is his breakout year. I don't know. It's just it seems like a. Um, I, I I still go back to the the guy who who hit a home run against us uh, today Sunday. Uh, Stephen Vote was an absolute perfect person to come in, and he could play some first. He could play uh, he he could play catcher, but he can hit. This guy's just a he's, he can hit. He's 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 been an all star for the past two years. Like this was the guy that was on freaking waivers. Like he was released by the Athletics. It was a per- per- perfect opportunity that the Brewers have stepped in, and he's already producing well for him. Um, I don't know. That's the type of guy that I could see them, you know, going with at this point and seeing where Bird is. But you don't like the G Man? Right. I do like G Man. No, I think G Man's good. Did you see the split he he did today? Yeah. I mean, it was a ridiculous. The guy he could play defense. Hit another home run on Friday night. Yeah, he's the Asian Babe G-Man's Ruth. He's awesome. I like him. I think he's just fine. I mean, he'll probably fade out and be a two hundred hitter. One hundred percent. You know, he's uh he's better than Chris what Carter. I, exactly. I, what I wrote on Friday was as long as he keeps his eyes open and catches the ball at first base and doesn't strike out four times a game, he's an upgrade over Chris Carter. He's a lot more athletic, and you can tell he's like a he's like a fun go lucky go lucky guy. I mean, he he's out there laughing and having fun with the guys. He's I've already seen more facial expressions on. Uh, G-Man Choi that I have seen on Chris Carter for the entire year. Like, this guy is entertaining to watch. You know, the split today, I'm like, this guy can play defense. He's coming out to get the ball. He's helping his team. Another... He knows when to close the glove. Another first base option is Matt Adams, and John Heyman actually floated this trade uh, for the Yankees for a couple of pitching prospects. I know Domingo Acevedo was one of them. Uh, Was Jermon the other one that Heyman uh, hypothesized that Atlanta would be looking for? Atlanta's sort of gotten... uh, surprising season out of Matt Adams so much so that Freddie Freeman is moving over to third base when he comes back so he can uh, both be on the field at the same time but unlike Bauer I don't think Matt Adams is going to cost anything like only a couple of lower level prospects if if Brian Cashman really thinks first base is what's holding this team back yeah and I think that's a better move Although I'm not buying into the the Matt Adams resurgence either, you know, full full on. I think he's he's having a good year. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, I don't know. I look at the track record with a guy like that, and uh, he had a good start in St. Louis, and then he just fizzled. But the um, it's you're right in the fact that it's a lot of a it's a better deal with the, probably a lot lower level prospects, guys that have a very slim chance of, of getting to the major leagues at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in, I'm way more in favor of a deal like that. It's lower because risk. Because honestly, is the production of a Matt Adams or Justin Bohr going to be much different? Probably not. No. Uh, well, Adams is older. I mean, that's the only downside to him. Not much. How old is Adams? He's not, what is he, 30? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I bet he's he's close to 30. And how old did I say? Um, Bohr is 29, I think you just said. <laughs> Matt Adams is 28. Oh, there you go. He's younger. Younger option. There we go. Even better. <laughs> he just has been a- around a lot longer. Yeah. What do you think? So, yeah, I, I think there's there, there's opportunities out there to to do something like that, too. Um, you know, another guy that's been rumored as well as uh, Brandon Belt. I think he's got one year left, or he might be a rental. I don't remember where he is. But that's a guy that's probably going to ask for it. But he's not having a great year, so you might be able to get him on a downslope. That, to me, is more of a cashman move of a guy who is not doing as well and can uh, and can come back and, and potentially get a, you know a higher risk. That's why honestly, like I thought Stephen Vogt was the perfect Cashman move. It's it's a perfect dumpster dive move. And 
you know, maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes. They talked to him and he chose the Brewers. Maybe that maybe that's the case. Who knows? Maybe he felt he'd get but, more playing time in Milwaukee. I don't know. Well, I mean, first base is wide open, but um, I don't know. That was the dumpster dive move that I wanted. That was the, uh, the the circled move. So Cashman said that the Yankees will look to be careful buyers at the deadline. To me, this means we will bring on more players as long as it doesn't cost us any of our big name prospects. Or I, I think there's also an, an or to that statement because I, I, I think that it's going to be a minor move in that sense. Like you'll bring on more players, like you're saying, but I think there will be some kind of a, an exception. Whereas if you can get somebody who is controlled, who can be part of the long-term future, then there could be a bigger move. I, I think that's when he's talking careful, they're not going to go out and overspend for a guy for this year and go for it. it it's got to be something that fits into the puzzle for not just this year, but longer term. And even if it's a guy that is, um, you know, expendable after this year, it's a, a contract that expires, then you wouldn't be giving up much for that. So I think there's two sides of it. Absolutely. Do you think that uh, they'll buy any uh, bullpen help? Uh, Brad Hand of the Padres was rumored as well. And he's a uh, lefty reliever having a really good season. Yeah, I just, you know, after what we saw what happened last year with the reliever market at the trade deadline, I just it's feel expensive. like it's going to be such a it's going to be a big bounty. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot. And um the amount of puns that have been going on on Twitter about giving up an arm and a leg to get a hand have been unbelievable. They're I mean, it's ridiculous. You don't enjoy those? You don't enjoy those uh third grade jokes? No, I liked I liked the first 10 that I read, yes, but then it's the repeat people that are repeating the tw- the tweets and sending them to us that are not funny any longer. But yeah, the first ones were good. Uh, I just I think he's going to get too expensive, and I think San Diego is looking to cash in. Right. Yeah, and it's it's also you've like we talked about. I think it was last episode where giving up prospects for a relief pitcher seems like it's counterproductive to what this team is doing long term. But I'll tell you one thing that's really going that's that's boding well for the Yankees right now because I don't think this guy has a future on this team. Is Jorge Mateo when he got out to Double A has been lights out. The dude's been phenomenal and really playing. Like the, the the prospect they thought he was, and if he could go out there and prove that he is uh, an up and coming stud shortstop that everybody thought he was going to be, that's a big blue chip right there to have, uh, especially when you know really our infield is is pretty much taken care of uh, long term. If you're looking at Gleyber Torres, who's definitely the prospect ahead of him, um, so I think that could be a big guy, and I think they're they're definitely willing to trade Mateo at this point. I think that's uh, the the guy that you want to circle. We know the Padres like Jorge Mateo because a couple of years ago when Craig Kimbrell right. was on the market, Mateo was the guy that Cashman said, "Nope, sorry, not not giving up Mateo for uh, Kimbrell." Yeah, when that's an interesting move. I mean, because now Mateo is, now. is extremely. He's also he's gone down as far as his prospect status, but like you yeah. just said, he's expendable with with Gleyber. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely would see him. I, you know. And especially that he's playing well now, I think they're going to try to get rid of him uh, at, you know, at the peak as high as they can. We have a couple of mailbags to get to, but before that, I want to take the second to remind everybody to rate and review the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you're listening. I know in iTunes, we're up well over 300 uh, ratings at this point. It's awesome. A lot of great reviews as well. A lot of five-star. Love seeing those five-star reviews and people commenting on how much they enjoy the podcast. It really uh, is great to read and also great to gain new listeners because they're looking for a Yankees podcast. They search Yankees and iTunes. We pop up first, which is awesome. And they're seeing that you guys are loving the podcast. So we appreciate it. Take a second if you have not already and give us that five-star review. First mailbag question is from Landon. And he says, D.D. Gregorius's contract expires following this season. With Headley and Castro's contracts not set to expire for at least another season, should the Yankees consider allowing Didi to become a non-tendered free agent in favor of allowing Torres or potentially another prospect to take over at shortstop? One click, cl- uh, quick clarification. Uh, Didi's contract is not up. He is arbitration eligible after this season. He's not a full uh, free agent until the 2020 season. Yeah, so no, absolutely not. Landon, go get your head examined. Didi Gregorius is, I mean, if you look at the guys in front of him in in the American League, he's an all-star. I mean, he put up all-star numbers. He is a a hell of a defensive player. He can hit righties. He can hit lefties. He's a good teammate. He can run. No, you know, playing shortstop in the major leagues is not an easy thing. I feel like people think that this is such an easy thing. That we're always going to have a plug in another guy and he's going to do better. 
How are you going to do better than Didi Gregorius' numbers unless you have a guy like Carlos Correa who's coming up? And we don't know what Gleyber Torres is going to be. Could he? Would you be happy right now if Gleyber Torres put up DD numbers in his first year? I think everybody would be extremely happy if he came up and put DD numbers in. You know, so I look, DD Gregorius should not, will not go anywhere. They need to keep him. He is, uh, he's going to be a long term. He's he's a long term part of this rebuild. So no, he's our shortstop. I think Landon might be just concerned that Didi Gregorius is going to block Gleyber Torres, and I don't think that's the case. I think if Gleyber Torres keeps progressing like he was, they will find a spot for him, whether it's at third base or second base or shortstop, even if that means moving Didi around the diamond. It, you know, I, I think a lot of that, well, so maybe that's the case. Maybe that's what the land is thinking. But I, I do think there's a lot of the mentality of that we have these guys in AAA and they're better. And that's just, it's just an assumption yeah, the grass that they're going to be always better. greener. Well, yeah, and they're such a such a high prospect that they're going to be better. They're a better player because they're doing something in AAA or AA or freaking single A, wherever the hell they are. But it's just not the case. When you have a guy that has established himself and has gotten better year after year in the major leagues on the highest level, you don't just throw away that guy. You keep him. This is the, I, I, people have the same same mentality about Starling Castro. This is a guy that I want them to I want them to lock up Starling Castro and to be a. To be well, is a, a cog up. on this team for, I mean, for a long time. I mean, this is a guy that I think could be the, uh, you know, part of the Yankees infield for the next seven to eight years. I think he is a guy that can be there. He puts up very good numbers, whether he stays at second or goes to third. I think there's interchangeable things that you can do there with Torres and Castro <clears throat> and Didi. But no, we nobody wants to get rid of these guys. I don't know why this is a thing. Like Castro and Didi should be part of the long-term vision of this team. The beauty of this infield setup right now is that between Didi and Castro, they're both young. They're both 28 years old. They've got the young kids coming up like Glaber Torres and also Tyler Wade, who's now in the major leagues. Headley is a non-factor. Headley is on his way out. He's got one foot out the door. His contract is up finally after 2018. If next season someone is knocking on the door and you need to ship Headley out and you eat the contract, that's what they're going to do. So, there will be an open spot in the infield. I, I Don't worry, everyone. There yeah, will be spots exactly. in the infield. And Sterling Castro has played multiple positions in the past. He's played. He was a, a, a good shortstop coming up with the Cubs. Obviously, he's playing a uh, you know he's playing a good second base. I mean, he looks people. He makes some bonehead errors out there occasionally, but who cares? The guy is a, a hell of a player. This is this is definitely the guy that needs to be this team. But my, my point is that. He could probably slide over to third base. There are many shortstops, many shortstops, including ones in the Bronx, uh, all-star, Hall of Fame guys that have made the, sh- the the transition from short to third. It happens all the time. He is a guy that has the the power to be a third baseman. He's got the glove. He's got the arm. He could absolutely go over there. Glaber Torres, they're saying, you know, they're putting him at third base. There's options here. I don't think Didi's moving. I think Didi's the shortstop. He's going to be the shortstop for a long time, but I do think Castro can move either to second uh, can be at second or at third, and then Torres the same, one or the other. So there's there's plenty of spots. You know what I figured out? An easy way to get you fired up is to say that the Yankees should move on from Didi or Castro. Oh, it pisses me <laughs> off. It pisses me. I, I feel like people just take it take these guys for granted that that there's better options. Ever look around the league? Tell me better options that that you that are accessible that you don't have to give up guys for. These are great options. Not every single player has to be a stud, even though those two guys are studs. Yeah, I mean, not every single player has to be a stud. Castro made the all-star team. He's only not going because of an injury. Also, Robbie Cano is replacing him, which was is perfect yeah. irony. And Didi Gregorius sloppy, sloppy was in the final vote, which is essentially in basically an all-star. And I'm pretty confident that if Didi didn't miss the first three weeks of the season, maybe he would have been had a better case to win that final vote over um, uh, Bogarts won it, right? Uh, oh, wait, no, no, no. no. Um, uh, Kansas City. Yeah, someone from Kansas Moustakis. City won. The other thing is, um, you know, when you're looking at Castro, the only guy that beat him out to start the All-Star game was Altuve. And Maybe one of the stud. best players in the league. Yeah, so we're literally talking about a guy, even though he wasn't brought up here. I know people are thinking it, though. I know you're thinking it. Someone out there is thinking Starling Castro is expendable for some reason or another. But, I mean, this was a guy that would have been voted in a starter for the All-Star game if it wasn't for Jose Altuve, who's a stud. All right, what's Stupid. what's next? The next one is from Jackie Noriega. An article in Newsday mentioned that Aaron Judge was a regular first baseman in high school. 
When he went to Fresno State, there was already a first baseman that they refused to move, and they gave Judge the option to either playing outfield or who would be on the bench. What do you think of the Yankees next year or at some time in the future moving Judge to the first base? The article also mentioned that Girardi has spoken with Judge about his first base playing days and why they ended up switching when they got to, when he got to Fresno State. Judge has said he has a lot of fond memories playing first base. Do you think it's too far out of the box for the Yankees to ever move Judge from right field to first base if having if the whole Greg Bird at first base thing does not work out? Uh, first initial reaction is yes. That sounds too far out of the box for the Yankees. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I think now, yeah, no doubt now, um, this season, it it's, sounds, it's too far out of the box. Oh, the, the this season is definitely not happening. hundred percent. Right. When we're looking, I, I don't know. I, I, I read this question also is looking into the future too. If bird doesn't work out long-term. So we'll address both this year. No, <laughs> it's not happening in the future. I don't know. Maybe I kind of like There's, it. There, I kind of like it too. There's a lot of there's a lot of right fielders that could play first base. I think a lot of um, bigger guys, you know, that are that are bigger in statue also make that transition from the outfield to a position where you know there's not as much running around. It could be a good move for his future if you know down the down the road um, they see that if there's a void and he can actually play first base. You know, I have no idea what his skills are at first base, but um, I mean, if you look at the player and the, just the the tools that he has, I mean, I could see him being able to play there. I also think a lot of people just think you can stick any old schmuck at first base and it's going to be fine. We saw right. that with A-Rod, Chris Carter. A-Rod proved that wrong. Yeah. A-Rod, we saw it with Chris Carter. We saw it with Jason Giambi. First base is a very important uh, position, especially when you guys you got guys like Chase Headley across the diamond throwing, trying to throw darts across the infield, and it's 15 feet in the air sometimes, although Judge might be able yeah. to catch those. Yeah, you would be able to catch those. Yeah, although I am kind of on the side that I don't think it's that difficult of a position, but I think a lot compared of compared to shortstop or center field, no. But it's not. I mean, yeah. It's not just easy. No, I know, but they're major leaguers. I mean, Judge is a super athletic guy. I bet if he was made to do it, if so, they told him today you're playing first base, I bet he would go out there and do it well. I just think he's that that good of an athlete, and I think especially if he has experience playing a position. I mean, look, this is down the road. This is nothing we're talking about any time in the future, but. Anytime in the near future, but you know, with the amount of outfield prospects that are on there, is it out of the out of the question, crazy to think that in two years, three years, that this could be a move? I don't think so. I mean, you never know. I think Judge would would do anything that's good for the team, and uh, and if that was the move, then you know that's the move. Long term, I like it for two reasons. First, I think you already said it, but it could save his knees. I know a lot of people are worried about because of his size running around in the outfield. He's going to have health problems. There's less running yes. at first base, so that could keep him healthier longer. Yeah, I agree. I think I think for a long term, for the longevity of the player and keeping him healthy and keeping him on the on the on the field as long as possible, I do think it's a good move because I mean the amount of impact that his knees and all his everything is taking his hips, his ankles when he's running around are just you know it's it's tenfold because of the size of it. And it's as as he gets older, it's just going to get worse. So he's going to become less mobile. And yeah, I mean, if he has experience, I think it's a, a it could be a natural move down the road. And also, I'd like it because we'd get so many pictures of players standing on first base next to Judge looking tiny. True. <laughs> Another solid point. <laughs> All right. You got any predictions for the home run derby, which is tonight as people are listening to this? Yeah, I'm expecting. First of all, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is probably one of the more anticipated yeah. home run derbies for a long time. With the the guys that are in it, um, Stanton versus Sanchez in the first round, that would be a nice upset. Although I said, uh, yeah, Sanchez, but Sanchez is uh, not swinging the greatest bat right now, so I don't think he's making out of the out of the first round. I do think Stanton's going to make it out. Uh, I think Stanton's going to make it to the finals, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go chalk. I, I think Aaron Judge is just too big and badass to not go out there and mash the ball and use as little energy as anybody out there to hit the ball over the park and uh, over the over the fence and I think it's going to be an epic showdown of Stanton versus Judge in the finals and Judge is going to play the upset and beat Stanton at home and shock the world. Would people even be upset about that? I feel like at this point Judge is the most popular player in the league. That's it's the matchup everyone wants to see and needs to see. We've been waiting for this. We've been saying this all first half. Stanton Judge needs to happen. Yeah, it's not like it's going to be a lot of Marlins fans at this game. It's there's not really usually a big. There's not going to be a lot of what Marlins fans. What are that? What's that? 
Right, right, <laughs> exactly. They're they're kind of like Rays fans. They're they're similar. To, I think actually um, Logan Morrison played for both teams. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'll tell you the, other, the along the way, I do hope that we get uh, a, a judge, uh, Cody Bellinger, because I haven't really seen Cody Bellinger too much. Obviously, being on the West Coast, you know this guy's all the hype. I've seen highlights and things like that, but it'd be fun to uh, to watch him and Judge go toe to toe. Miguel Sano, I think, is also a sleeper. He's he can hit the ball a million miles. Yeah, so in a in a perfect world, it's Stanton, Sano, then Bellinger, Judge, and then everybody gets what they want with Stanton and Judge. You think we might get any craziness in the All-Star game since now it doesn't quote-unquote count? I hope so. I hope they all have fun and, and just play loose, and it's, uh, it's more of what it used to be. It's just an exhibition showdown. Yeah. And we're seeing like awesome Bo Jackson moments and things like that. Like, yeah, I hope so. I hope it's more fun that it is, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to go out there and and, and win a game. I think it's ludicrous. One of the ones I remember, it was Larry Walker, right, who put the helmet on the other side and then went to bat right-handed. I don't remember that. The I think it was against Randy the, Johnson. Oh, yeah, it was right afterwards. It was right after Randy Johnson threw behind Oh, somebody. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, again, one of the when Randy Johnson threw that ball behind, I think it was John Cruck, wasn't it, that he threw behind? No, he struck but out John was, Cruck on three of the nastiest sliders you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah, but didn't he throw the ball behind him first? He might have. And then he threw him I out? I don't remember. Yeah, so it was, uh, there's there's moments like that, I think, the, the Bo Jackson moments, are, are to me, are the are one of the, the clearest um, but yeah, I hope we have some fun out there. I hope these guys have, have a good time. It's supposed to be a fun day of, of uh, celebrating the game of baseball. Okay, guys, as I said, next episode, we're going to be going back and giving out some midseason awards for the Yankees. But before that, uh, follow us on Twitter at Yankees podcast at Bronx pinstripes. I'm sure you already follow that. My Twitter handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi and Scott's is at Scott Reinen. Also call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. And that's what you're going to be listening to right now is some voicemails. Scott, any last words? Yeah, I'm going to give a special shout out to my beautiful wife. It is her birthday today, Monday, oh. and she is uh, she she puts up with, with with a lot of podcasting hours while I'm sitting in this room talking to you. So happy birthday, Bevan. If you're in the education field, I'll throw a little shameless plug in there. Go follow her on Twitter at Teach Train Love if you're in the education field. So yeah, happy birthday, Bevan. Happy birthday, Bevan, and enjoy these voicemails. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. G-Man, He-Man. Guy's been up here not even a week. Has already contributed more than Chris Carter contributed the entire season. Wow, I can't believe it. We actually are getting production out of first base. This guy opens his eyes while he's playing. It's awesome. Hey, it's Mike in Maryland with a service announcement to all the Yankee fans. Listen, we've got to get Didi to the All-Star game. He has stepped in for Jeter, and let's face it, he has performed well above any reasonable Yankee fan's expectations since he started. Why the fuck is Tyler Clifford still employed? He should be going away far, far away with Chris Carter, somewhere where they can enjoy being horrible. Hey guys, just sitting down watching the uh, Yankees-Brewers game. Yankees have a 4-2 lead after a uh, judge crushes a dinger to center field. I'm just sitting around waiting for Batonset and Chapman to come and shove a thumb up their ass. So, have a good weekend. So I'm sitting here watching the Brewers game on Saturday and trying to show it up. And the ball goes inside, and he tells the umpire that fucking hits him. And the umpire's like, oh, yeah, sure, go to first base. Didn't even ask for any kind of help. I mean, Grant, the replay really doesn't show you all that much, but, like, are you kidding? <laughs> the team has, you know, if they didn't have bad luck, they have no luck at all. It's ridiculous. It's anytime something bad happens, they, they can't recover. And the next guy has a fucking three-run home run. Come on. Just absolutely fucking awful. I'm amazed I actually saw Chase and Shreve throw a strike. What's wrong with him? Andrew from out the kitchen. Are you fucking kidding me, Pineda? Are you fucking kidding me, Tanaka? Just when we think you're good again, you're not. Do terrible performances when we need them the most. Fuck off. So glad that this is the all-star break. Because it seems like the Yankees to not get right. 
Clip it on Friday. Just keep up the grand slam. Saturday, they barely pulled it out of their ass. Shout out to Clips Racing for the home run. Walk off. First in the stadium. And then Tanaka, he's just serving up meatballs. Serving them up. I just don't fucking get it, man. I hope Judge Woodbrook home run derby. Only bright spot we have this year is him. We thought our break was going to swing enough. I really hope they can get it together. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.